Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Robel. This is episode 40. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, let me emphasize that I don't know you and you don't know me, so I'm not recommending anything in this episode. Instead, my goal is to ensure that you can make decisions in your financial life with as much context as possible. Today, let's delve into a foundational concept in finance, interest rates. Now, hold on. Don't click away just yet. I promise you this will be brief and straightforward, so give it a chance. Still with me? Fantastic. Now, in the United States, every item is priced in dollars, from Snickers bars and Ford Mustangs to houses, airline tickets, stocks, Hamilton show tickets, hoagie sandwiches, and even Tylenol. You name it, absolutely everything is priced in dollars. But what are dollars priced in for Americans? In fact, what is each currency priced in for its citizens? I'll wait. Shout out your answer if you have one. Money is priced in time. And to be fair, it's influenced by risk, but that's a subjective measure. Time is not. We all agree on the length of a second, minute, hour, day, week, month, and year. We'll get to risk in a second. So if you use time as the baseline, conceptually moving from left to right, short to long, current to future, That is how you price money. But you can't exchange money for time. That is, no matter how much we wish we could, we can't actually buy time. Therefore, the value of time is expressed through an interest rate, which quantifies the value of time and allows us to figure out how and what to pay for it. Now, the further into the future you look, the more time you cover, and therefore the more money you should make. Interest rates that are further into the future should be higher than those that are closer to today. In finance textbooks, this is called the time value of money. If you are considering lending money to a company, you would have an interest rate for every point in the future based on your assessment of the value of that time. And this creates a curve that your prospective borrower can choose from. Essentially, you could say, hey, Charles, you can borrow from me for a year at rate X or for two years at rate Y. And rate Y would be higher than rate X. This is just like the mortgage rates that banks quote all of us if we want to buy a house. So this basic relationship between money and time is the baseline for finance and therefore for your entire financial life. Everything you touch that touches money starts here because everything is built on top of interest rates, the value of time at its most basic unit. Now, imagine you have two almost identical companies. If we offer both of them a three-year loan, then both companies would have the same interest rate. But if one company is riskier than the other, it would have to pay us more interest to attract our money. The difference between these two rates, the rates that we offer the riskier company and the less risky company, is called the spread. This makes sense. We have an interest rate to value the passage of time. That gets us out to a point on our curve, horizontally, left to right. And we have a spread to account for differences in risk at that given point in time. That is, at that horizontal point, going up or down. Every time we add a little risk, we add a little spread. And as long as we are dealing with loans, which have a defined set of cash flows, and the period that the money will be out of our pocket, this is not that difficult. The challenge is in the subjective task of evaluating risk, and everybody has their own system for doing that. 
Now, most people consider the U.S. government to be the most reliable borrower in the world. That is, it is the least risky entity to lend money to. The reason is that the United States is huge and diversified, so it doesn't have a single industry or skill set that it depends on to make money. But if push comes to shove, the federal government can print money to pay off debt or make interest payments. And this is a process called monetizing the debt, technically speaking. Now, short of counterfeiting money, you and I don't know anybody else who can do this with dollars. So if the government, for whatever reason, owes you $100 and they can't pay it, they can print $100, create it, and give it to you. And this goes back to the conversation about inflation. This is also why many economists and people in the finance world think that inflation comes from the government. Because when you have the ability to monetize debt, you tend to be less disciplined with your finances. So if the government owes you $100 and they don't have it, they print $100 and they give it to you. And now there's an extra $100 in the economy that they just added in. And so now we have more money in an economy with effectively the same amount of stuff in it. That means more money is chasing the same number of things. And that means the prices of those things go up. And that is how you get inflation. We'll tie this conversation directly to inflation and portfolios in the next episode. Thanks for listening. I hope that this is helpful context for you and your financial life.